Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. About a year ago, when I started listening to what Brenda and Lloyd were trying to say, was that like, We have all these post-it notes like stuck to us about what we're supposed to be. And the problem with the post-it notes is when the wind comes, they don't stick very hard. When the wind comes, they get blown off. And then we're like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to be that. And the truth of the matter matter is God's put them inside of us. And it's actually who we are. It's not something that we add to us. It actually becomes our identity. And I realized about three, four weeks ago... I was talking to my wife and I want to say too, like, we are so blessed and thankful that what we hear, that these people bring their gifts. Like I know my wife for 30 years has been cultivating what you're hearing, singing out the kitchen window every morning. And Dan too, there's probably a hundred years worth of practice just to display the manifestation of the gift of God. Anyway, I'm super. So the identity that we have comes from not begging for the scraps off the king's table by putting a post-it note on our jacket of our identity. It's actually who you are. So we don't have to beg anymore for that place at the table that he's actually set a banner over the banquet table at the head of the table and says, you're the king's kid, pull up a chair. Pull up a chair. I know this is random, but I want to tell you something too. This is just like... I have this picture of you. Are you the type of person where people come to you and they bring all their problems? Okay. I know this is weird, but I have this picture of you and you're like a lighthouse, right? And you can see part of the gift in the prophet, the anointing of a prophetic person is to hear, see, and declare. Most of the time when they hear, it's to pray. It's not to declare. So... Even since your youth, like your parents know this, your parents know this deeply, you're not like the others, right? You're like a lighthouse and the foundation of it is so deep that you can see waves and all the time and people consider you to be a fortress or a lighthouse and they'll bring their waves to you. It's okay. They're not going to topple you. So hear, see, and declare. Declare mostly what you what you see and hear in the place of prayer for those people. And that's all I have. I got something. I got something uh, to add on with that. There's going to be an increase of hearing. Um, Amos four talks about the secret of the Lord, like He does nothing unless He reveals it to His servants, and that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. And I just see like a deep cultivating friendship in this next season, where you're just going to be hearing more of those whispers. Yeah. Well, girl, stand up. Let's pray for her. Stand up. We'll embarrass the daylights out of you. Stand up. I mean, God singles somebody out. Let's bless them, right? We rejoice with this. So just extend your hand to him. All that means is that that's just, it's nothingness, but it's symbolic of us. We're, we're reaching out. We're touching this one's, you know, this is a daughter of heaven. You know, this is a daughter of the God Most High. This is a chosen one. 
This one has royal blood in her veins. So we're just extending our hands and agreeing with what the Holy Spirit's doing. So, God, we just thank you. Thank you for your daughter. We bless you in the name of your God. We put blessings upon you, child. That all these words that were spoken this morning would not just lift up your heart today, but would lead and guide. When the, when the path has a stone in the way, that it, it would be a reminder how to step around that stone. That God has called you into incredible things. And that the journey is going to be good. He will be you in the, on the best part of the journey and the worst part of the journey. He will not ever leave you alone and we bless these words that were given to your heart that that in the nighttime when your heart starts to struggle that you would just remember them, what was said in the daytime when your heart is rejoicing that you will remember what was said and that it is going to come to pass in Jesus name amen let's uh let's take a moment and this is sort of a solemn time but would you stand with me as a as a sign of unity and prayer for what's happened in egypt this morning there were two bombings at two different coptic churches uh and uh i think right now the 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 death count is 60 something and uh with with over a hundred injured from from the bombs that went off in the two churches as they were celebrating what we're celebrating today. I would just like to pray for the church of Jesus in Egypt and how their hearts just must be. We crashed and we can do all kinds of pontificating here in America, but oh my gosh, can you imagine the, the, the breaking that's going on right there right now? And that they were stepping out as an act of faith to celebrate Palm Sunday and have that occurred. So um, we're to pray for the persecuted church. That's persecution much more than what we know here. Like I said, we can pontificate about it. But just as a, you know, who are we? Well, we're the body of Christ. That's who we are. Jesus, nothing happens outside of your knowledge, your will, and your grace. So we pray for your church in Egypt right now. Lord, they may celebrate your name in a different way and have a different, even different doctrines and stuff. We don't know. But they call on the name of the Lord. That we know. So we lift up our prayers from this building this morning. In heart unity. We ask for comfort to come to those who lost loved ones. We ask for comfort to come to the church leaders and to the mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. We ask that each one of these that died, that there would be a hundredfold return in the realm of the kingdom going forth. That this would not be fruitless violence, but that this would be a sowing of what you do in the earth. And we pray for the salvation of Egypt. 
We just pray that there would be a sweeping move, even because of this, whenever the enemy comes out strong, you show yourself stronger. So we ask for a sweeping move of grace to come through that nation. And that we would hear the reports of it and our hearts and these families would rejoice. And now as a people, we set down our flag of trust and we say, we trust you, God, with what you're doing in our time. This chosen time, we trust you right now. And we say, our God is salvation. Our God will reign. Our God does reign. And we trust him. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Well, I'm just a wreck from worship. I don't even know what I did with my stuff. Oh, we have one more prayer to do. You guys, Mike, Mike Nobriga's brother passed away this past week uh, unexpectedly from a heart attack and uh, the memorial service is tomorrow, but let's just lift Mike and Diane. Uh, Jonathan came in from uh, where's he at? Huh? Bahrain and everything and I'm very close to the Nabrika family and I know many of you are really close to Mike and Diane. Can we just hold them before the Lord? Jesus again you are the God of all comfort and all peace and we send prayers to Mike and Diane to David and Jonathan and Hannah just ask that your comfort would surround them right now that your peace would envelop them for Greg's wife and children Lord, let this just be a time of deep, deep comfort to them. That you would sustain them through this time of loss. And you would be the encouragement of their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So the family picnic uh, is getting moved to the fifth Sunday because next week is Easter. So let's do an Easter statement already. He is risen. There we go. Amen. Amen. How y'all doing? Everybody okay? Well, is this too low? Is this depressing? I feel like Edith Ann, if any of you remember that. Well, I guess I wasn't supposed to sit. You guys won't remember this, but there was a wonderful hippie poster when I was a young man. Had a picture of a cat on a stool with a guitar, and it said, Sometimes I sits and thinks, and sometimes I just sits. And uh, that's sort of picturesque of life. Listen, we've been on a journey of looking at grace in practice, and uh, we had a wonderful meeting yesterday in the workplace believers meeting that didn't have anything to do about workplace believers. Uh, But it did have to do with the practicalities of the grace of God being lived in out of our lives. And then our own church history. Do you have a church history? Yeah? Well, a couple of you do. Yeah? Any scars on your back? A couple. Anybody ever been wounded by church? Would you raise your hands? Oh, well, bless your hearts. You've joined a lot of other people. 
I don't mean it sarcastically too much, but listen, we all get to go through this, you know. We do. I've got, you know, I could, eh, tire tracks across my back. Uh, and that, how does that happen? Because none of us are perfect. And uh, if you've ever noticed this, people do really stupid things. Some of the stupider things we do is in the name of God. Yeah. Is that too brutal this morning? Are you okay with me still? Somebody, blow, you know, like do something to, like it's okay saying that. Um, but this is what I know. Jesus loves his church. He loves the idea of church. He loves who the church is. He loves everything about it. And he wants us to learn and grow through every season of life. The very high and the very low. And I think the reason offenses happen in church is because all of us can say offensive things at times. Do something offensive. And, but this is what I really know. Deep in my heart, I don't know of any people in church who are purposing to set out to hurt somebody else. Think through that one. I, I don't know any Christians that are going, hmm, I'm going to get that guy in the red cap because I didn't like what he said this morning. That's not what we're doing. It, it's done through our humanness. It's done through our brokenness. It's done through our issues. It's done through our strongholds. It's do, we do this. Thank God for his grace and mercy. So in the Old Covenant... Mercy uh, is actually often translated, not every place, but is often, often translated loving kindness. His loving kindness is his mercy. And that's wonderful. It's incredible. But here's something greater. In the new covenant, mercy triumphs over judgment. Ooh, it's the trump card. That is the trump card, is the mercy of God. For each of us, our lives, one of the great grace prayers you can pray in the morning when you get up is just say, oh God, extend your mercy over me again today. Into my life. That is not a wah prayer. That is a very healthy sense of prayer because it triumphs over every uh, weird judgment thing that happens, both the ones we do and the ones that are done to us. And, uh, and it teaches us, I asked them to do that, Oh, How He Loves song, because I was just living there, you know. It's just, uh, man, this is what grace has done to me. I don't have time to maintain regrets. Neither do you. Don't let the past hinder what God's doing right now in your life. So I, I just want to kind of speak as a, uh, I got... I got classified as a father in the city this week, so, uh, you know, first of all, it feels like really haughty religious terms, and that offends me, you know, it really, it really does, it's just like, really, I don't think most of the city even knows who I am, you know, it's like, and the few that do aren't sure they like me, and, uh, it's like, oh, you know, so we use this term, but here's a, let me speak to you as a father this morning, you know, don't let life cripple you. That's what the enemy intends. The enemy of your soul 
you know, listen, I've been at, I think it's, it's either five or six memorial services in the past seven weeks. Those are hard. But it doesn't keep us down. He lives. He lives. We have something greater that harnesses our heart. The book of Ecclesiastes speaks to it. It says, he's planted eternity where? You know what that is? That's salvation. God planted himself. An incorruptible seed came into your being. You have eternity in your hearts now. This is always hard in the daily circumstances of life. You are now an eternal being. You will not be more eternal on the day that you stand before him in heaven than you are right now in your being. So that's why it says in him we live and move and have our being. I don't just say that, oh, stick a Band-Aid on it. Rub a little sand on it. It'll be okay. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that when the circumstances of life and the hurts and pains come weighing against us, that's when we call on the eternal one. That's what somebody said to me this morning. He's the anchor. You know, that's when he's the anchor of our souls. When everything feels like it's coming loose, you're not. Your being is anchored in who Christ is and who he is in you. And in that, we get a hope of glory. Now, that was message number two. Here comes number three. The rejoicing heart. You ready? Let's look at this. Would you read this aloud together with me? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, it's hard to read if you you grew up in what was called spirit-filled church or stuff, and you did that. You hear this rejoicing, you immediately want to start singing. Rejoice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. All those old songs are now children's songs that they do in children's ministry. But we used to sing them over and over and over again in church as adult songs. And we really did. It would, it would do something to us when we sang those songs. Um, there was like a command that happened inside of us when we heard each other singing, rejoice. Um, and, and rejoice is a funny word. Um, I've struggled with it at times, to be honest with you. The real word is a verb, okay, uh, from the Greek word kahiro. And it's, do you like that? You're supposed to go, whoa, that's impressive. You can do, oh, I don't know Greek at all. I'm just sort of looking at what it says and where it, the emphasis is at. It means this, to be cheerful. But it's not this. So I, I can remember this wife of a televangelist that used to be in, I won't use names. And, you know, and one time they were doing a fundraiser for their 
evangelistic TV show, and she had a clown suit on. Oh, yes, Christian TV in the early days. She did it quite often, as a matter of fact. She would wear big shoes, you know. And then she would jump up and down and go, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! And I'd go, Because oh, I'm kind of like, I don't like uh, overt, uh, believe it or not, I don't like overt <sighs> stuff. That embarrasses me, and I want to go in the corner. I'm, I'm, that's not the kind of believer I am. And it's probably some of my stronghold issues and being an introvert, but like that, I would just go, that's the goofiest stuff I've ever seen in my life. No, I am not sending you money. <laughs> that isn't what this word is talking about. Though that may ban her attempt at shining in rejoicing and it's wrong for me to judge it. I'll repent later for you on on behalf of that. Uh, But this is what it really means. It means to be calmly happy. Isn't that interesting? There's a gentleness that the word rejoice actually embodies in its verb form. And it means... Uh, it's sort of more reflected in the song How Great Thou Art than sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. That's rejoicing that's reflected in this, in this verb to rejoice. It was also, it's reflected as a form of greeting or sending somebody on their way. So the word rejoice, the verb of it actually came out in this, in the Middle Ages. Well, Godspeed. Isn't that interesting? That meant rejoice. I'm rejoicing with you as you're going on your journey. Godspeed. Another term that came out of it was fare thee well. That you you would have an okay time. It was a way of rejoicing with you in both uh, when we met and when we departed. Isn't that interesting? That that's really the framework of the word rejoice. So it isn't goofy, and it isn't just singing a song, and it isn't putting a clown suit and jumping up and down. It's this understanding when he says, and it's why it's emphatic. There's an exclamation mark in there. And Paul is saying, farewell, fare thee well. And again I say to you, Godspeed. That changes the whole framework of it, doesn't it? You go, oh, no wonder. And then he says, let your gentleness be known to all people as you go. He's, he's laying out the framework. He's saying, Godspeed. And now, uh, don't you know, the Lord's at hand. He's doing salvation work. So let your gentleness be known. Oh, and by the way, don't let life cripple you. Don't be afraid for anything. It's a command. Be anxious for nothing is actually written in the Greek command. I mean, don't, don't, don't fall into that. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why? Because we live in grace and God is good all the time. His ears are open to us. 
His eyes are watching us. And the engagement of Him in prayer over us as we fare thee well is to move us along the way. That's why the rejoicing heart is a reflection of the grace of God at work in us. And it does something. It's a reflection of our identity, of who we are in Christ. And it is, it displays the fruit of the Spirit at work in our lives. You can't grow fruit, fruit grows. And so a rejoicing heart has this thing where when other people are around us, instead of seeing us in a clown suit, uh, seeing us display something goofy, and I've been goofy in church. Listen, I, I, I would do anything. When I put that woman down for, for putting on a clown suit, I did it uber cool. I grew my hair out and pierced my ears and wore leather. And did, I even thought about tattoos just to get in the life of a 20-year-old. Do anything. Rejoice. 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 Fare thee well. Godspeed. Be on your way. And set this in your heart. So Paul gives an exhortation here that he says, if you're going to pray, now think about what it's saying here. If you're going to pray, start with, what's that say up there? See, now, now, once again, I'm going to poke at us at church. Is that okay? If I step on your toes and offend you this morning, you have to forgive me. It says so. And if you don't, you won't get into heaven. No, I don't believe that. I just want you to not be that offended with me. But you know how we used to, like, we get church I, uh, Prayer has a language all its own. It has a rhythm. But then I've been in prayer meeting with her. It's like, oh, thou most high God. And you start, you know, and then you do a little, you know, a little alliteration stuff with God. <laughs> and you get on this, you get on this thing. And I don't think that's what Paul's talking about. You think Paul's going, look, if your heart's anxious, come with this attitude. Rejoice in the Lord because He's listening to you. Set your heart in new covenant promise. God's listening. His ear is attentive to your prayer. So rejoice. Fare thee well. That means be real with God. When I, when I read this, the rejoice always... Before I pray, it means, hey, be very real with him. Say, Lord, this is a struggle even to open my mouth this morning. I don't feel like praying. But I'm setting my heart to rejoice in the practice of who you are, knowing that you hear me. Now, this is what I want to pray about. Ooh, it changes something in, in the way I interact in my prayers and in my language of prayer with trusting him. It positions me in a right manner. It puts me in such a place that I'm going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you in this. I'm going to decide, because rejoicing means this, I'm going to decide your good before I see the answer. Whoa. I'm going to do it with thanksgiving, knowing that you're with me. 
And I'm going to believe that when I'm done praying, your peace is going to settle over my heart. And I'm going to be rejoicing towards others. It changes it. How does it get there? It's a result of trust. We trust God. Your heart won't rejoice if you're not trusting God. I'm not trying to create an equation. I'm just telling you, it's hard to get to a place of fare thee well when you're not trusting. So this is what I use as an anchor. I use the word of God to help me when my trust won't trust. You ever been there? When your trust is hard, when every circumstance seems to be blasting against your trust of God, that's when I go to the sure word. So this is one that does it for me. Look at Romans 5. Imagine that, it's Romans. Verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, three very important words, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, it's a done deal is what that means, it is finished, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Nothing else has to happen. It's set. Rejoice, O heart. It's a done deal. The argument's over with. And when your own mind starts arguing... Read this scripture. Bring it back to a place of trust. When life crashes against you, when circumstances seem all wonky, and everything has that strange smell of, ugh, death, corruption, ugh, go back and get in the sure anchor of the word. This says, look, if you were the stinker and God was willing to die for you, and make you right, how much more now do you have the surety to be able to rejoice in who he is and who you are because of what he has done? Rejoice. And you start saying it to your heart. Rejoice. It's taken care of. It's a done deal. You don't have to be reconciled. You have been reconciled. You don't have to go back and, hey, I think I need another dose of that. No. You were given everything needed at that point in time. Everything's there. So it's really, when you decide to touch the T word, the trust word, when you touch that trust word and say, Man, everything in my mind is screaming. I want to run. I want to go buy a new Harley. I want to throw my leg over it. I want to get away. I don't want to come back. I don't care what responsibilities they are. Put that hand down, brother. I'm uncovering myself here, aren't I? When everything in me says, get out of town. And I read this word that says, you don't have to do that. Trust in the Lord at all times and set your heart rejoicing. 
Tell him you're going to trust him. Tell him he's made the way for you. Because that goes to the next one. Rejoicing is a result of confession. We have made confession about sin. Make confession about God's identity and your identity. Make confession about what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. And it's all in the word of God. I wrote some of this down, but I'm going to read the whole passage from Philippians 3 to you. See, But I highlighted two chunks because I want you to see the rejoicing part. So, Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and he's giving them instruction to hope in God and to see the circumstances of what they're going through. Philippians 1 and 2, and then he says in in chapter 3, and this is what Paul was afraid of. Uh, I'm going to read it with a little bit of interpretation this morning so that you can get it. Beware of those dogs. He's referring to religion when he calls it that. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. He's talking about the people that told them, you're not doing it right. You have to have this or you can't have salvation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. And have no confidence in the flesh. We think he's talking about sin there. He's not talking about sin. He's talking about how you try to be okay with God through who you are, from your family background, what you do religiously, how you live your life. He's saying, don't have confidence in that. He says, so I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in flesh, I'm more so. He's he's using hyperbole here to put them in their place in their wrong thinking. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. That means he thought, he was pretty sure he wasn't stumbling in any part of keeping the law. And then he says this statement, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Now you're going to start touching rejoicing again. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. When I confess this, I start rejoicing. When I confess this, and this is always hard for for so many people to hear. Look, I'm perfectly capable of sinning and doing something very stupid, but do you know what God declares over me? I'm his righteousness on the earth. I am a righteous son of God 
on the earth. It's a harsh one. But listen, when you first hear it and start saying it to yourself, you start confessing it. It's like, yeah, you know, that's when all the yeah buts and the what ifs and oh, but I was so mean to Brenda this week. And I said, you know, and you start doing that. But something happened when I start really confessing. Confess means agree with. When I confess the declaration of what God has done in my life and what he has set me to be, my heart begins to rejoice. My heart begins to believe. My heart begins to trust. So question. A little bit of a, not a slap, but maybe just a little poke. If you'll let me poke. What do you believe? How's that working for you? Are you rejoicing? Daily? And again I say, rejoice? Rejoice? Now, I grew up under a guy named Ralph Hawk who discipled me, and this is one of Ralph's favorite sayings. He said, people always come to me, and I ask them how they're doing. They'll go, under the circumstances. I stop them right there, and I say, what are you doing under the circumstances? You were meant to live above the circumstances. You were made to be more than a conqueror. And he would start exhorting you, and you left going, I'm going to say that again. Because when Ralph exhorted you, you knew it. You were exhorted. (laughs) Nevertheless, even though the package of it was a little weird, he was absolutely right. What are we doing under circumstances? We can be above those circumstances in Christ. doesn't make the circumstance go away. It makes our approach in our confession over who we are, and our trust in who God is. When those get joined together, I stay above the circumstances and I don't get under them. Now, we don't have to wear masks around here. If you're having a bad day, it's okay. You know, Dan and I always check in with each other. We're usually the first ones that get here in the morning and go, how are you doing? Well, it doesn't have to be, praise the Lord, just fine. No, I say, oh man, I had a tough week. And we do that with each other. And then we start, it's really funny. Uh, how many of you know Dan fairly well? Yeah? If you don't, you need to have he and Cass over to dinner. Amen. <laughs> Introvert, getting you. And get to know them. But here's what happens he moves into rejoicing. When we exhort each other in the morning, he immediately moves into it. He starts doing this. He, he doesn't know he does this. He's got little idiosyncrasies, and he'll start, he'll start tapping his arm. And he, has, and he changes his step. He starts doing this. And it just do, it does something in my soul because he is rejoicing. When he hears the word of God, he comes alive. Because then it's a third thing. Rejoicing is a result of your choice. Really is. Now, I've got a melancholy slice to me. And when I choose that one, oh, Katie Bark, the door, there is a dark cloud coming over 5602 East 187th Street. And Brenda will go, what's wrong? And I'll go, I don't want to talk about it. 
You know, melancholy is a funny thing. It's a, you know, there's something in us that likes things like the dark night of the soul. Do you know what I'm talking about? We, we like to, I'm going through a tough time. Secretly, we kind of like it. We play with it, especially if you're melancholy at all. You, you know, and then all of a sudden you get real nostalgic and you start listening to mood music. <laughs> so that you can go there. We, so what it is, is we're starting to feed that thing. We're making a choice, aren't we? We're choosing those sorts of things. And because they're frenemies, we're familiar with them. And though we may not like it, we still like to play with it and pet it. Choose something way different. This is what Peter wrote. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You have a living hope in you right now. He lives, he lives, my Savior lives. Not just in heaven, right here. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. How are you kept? By the power of God. Through faith for salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by some trials. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is what this is saying. Choose God. He chose you. God made the big declaration at the cross. Who wants to be on my team? And every hand that's lifted, he goes, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you. When we do that, when we go, I'm on God's team. I'm going to win a golden glove. I'm going to catch this thing. Oh, I'm going to bat like Eisenreich did. I I can hit it. Oh, baby. It changes. That choice changes how we view ourselves. Not the circumstances of life. I'm, I'm afflicted with something. He guys had a really good Jim Eisenreich to tell you his story sometime. He was a man afflicted and chose to play anyway. Did an incredible thing. You guys just don't know him well yet. <laughs> Maybe I ought to get on the six by six dinners and have him tell you his story. It's an incredible story of choosing to overcome.
to fight through something. Dude won a World Series, you guys. It's such symbolic of our life in Christ. It's so, it's so good when we choose with a rejoicing heart to, to say, nope, I'm not going to give in to this. I will rise because he is risen. I will rise because he is risen. He is my resurrection and life. And my heart starts rejoicing. Would you stand with me? I want to leave you with three things. I want you to pray into them this week. Rejoicing happens when we believe that God is good all the time. You declare over your life and your loved ones God is good all the time. You start it tomorrow morning, and I'm telling you, by next Sunday you're going to come in, your heart's going to be rejoicing. You may not be putting on a clown suit and jumping up and down and saying, praise the Lord, but your heart will start rejoicing. As a matter of fact, when you declare that, something will happen. You will start singing worship songs. If you're like me, you'll start singing old worship songs that connected you when your heart was really rejoicing. Rejoicing happens when we receive with gladness what God wants to give us. Stop telling him what you don't have and start declaring what he's going to bring in your life. That will set your heart to rejoicing. He's come to give us life, and that abundantly He wants to bless you. Here's another thing that happens. Rejoicing happens when our lives reflect Christ. Tell somebody about Jesus. Tell him what he's done in your life. Take a risk. All you introverts, do the gulp with me. Okay, Lloyd, I'm going to give it a shot. Maybe it's a clerk in the store Maybe it's somebody you run into at Walmart. Maybe it's somebody you talk to on the street. Maybe it's somebody on the phone. And just to, you know, well, it seems so out of place. Just do this and say, hey, can I tell you something about what's happening in my life? And tell them about something that God's done. Just say, I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you this. What's the worst thing that could happen? Rejection? That worst thing can go is, hey, I don't, I don't believe that stuff. They probably won't say stuff. So, but you see, when we do that, you and I both know this. When you get to talk to somebody about Jesus, everything changes. You do, it's just what Danny Boy does. You just get, you get a spring in your step. Something happens. You do it often enough. You go to Aldi and do it all the time, and they'll end up calling you the mayor of Belton. I know somebody that that happened with. They just set their heart to go into Aldi and talk about Jesus. Before you know it, the clerk's calling this person the mayor of Belton. It's what happens. It's who we are. 
I went long, so we'll do a short song again instead of calling the whole team out. Get across the aisles. Come on, we've been doing this lately, mostly because it's just been on my heart a lot. Because this is a rejoicing song. We're going to sing the doxology again, so... <laughs>